This anointed teaching by Apostle David Muluzi is brought to you by God's Tabernacle Christian Family Church. We hope you have an encounter with God as you listen to this message. I decree and God agrees. I am a soul winner. I am a contagious Christian. I positively influence and encourage everyone around me. I am a disciple maker. God's Tabernacle Christian Family Church influences Zadek. God's Tabernacle Christian Family Church fulfills a calling for this season. God's Tabernacle Christian Family Church has all the resources to meet the community's needs. We receive God's favor and man's favor. We have compassion and care for the needy. Constant prayer is our lifestyle. We bear much food. We are givers. We heartily worship God with our possession. Christ's redemptive purpose is accomplished in Sadek. We see a thousand churches established in our lifetime. Sadek, the Lord God is your God. You belong to God. I see in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we thank you that even as we share your word tonight, that God, you minister by your spirit. Lord, I make it known to your children that I'm not trusting, not depending upon my own human intellect, but I'm trusting on your spirit of God to speak for the word, Lord, with power and with anointing. Lord, I promise to give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor for all that you will do and accomplish through your word this day. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Turn to somebody, tell them, I am the highly favored of the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, thank you, Pastor Lisa, for sharing. What's that? You forgot to share something. Please, Pastor Luisa forgot to share something. Thank you. Quickly, I, I, I just remember there was, I think I was going to, when I stood up, I was going to talk about this and then, but it, 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 it slipped my mind as I was, I was talking about other things. Uh, another thing that stood up for me in the book is, is the issue of, of, what do you call them? Is it le- le- Oh, relics, 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 relics. relics. Okay, thank you. R-E-L-I-C-S. Right. The lyrics in 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 this. <laughs> you said lyrics, so it's relics. Relics. Say say. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, oh, oh. On on this chapter is more more like you know the things that that we use. At times people say maybe I will I will if I'm using this fan and I'm anointed and people will take this fan and say you know because this fan was held by you know and in a, a as time goes on it's like changing it's like the person starts worshiping you know, something as a substance. And 
Another thing is on the issues of, of the practices that were there in the Bible that do not uh, qualify us to, to, to practice them as doctrines. It's issues like when the, 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 the women with the issue of blood touch, the, 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 the garment of Jesus. We, it, it's not Jesus who said, touch my garment and you will be healed. And, you know, which at times we see it happening when people are preaching and say, you know, touch me. And then, but it was out of her own will, what she believed that if I do this, then this will be, will, 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 I will be healed. Okay. And going on to the Paul's apron and Peter's, uh, uh, shadow, Paul's handkerchief and apron and, 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 Peter's uh, a, a shadow that it it was initiated by people. It wasn't Paul who was saying, "Take my apron or take my hand." It was people who came forth and did that on their own. So we cannot base. We cannot. It was like a once-off thing that we can't uh, base our doctrine on it to say this is something that can be practice as a, as, a, as, a, as a doctrine. Yeah, I think that's all. I think a lot of things, but that's all that I wanted to say. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. So in the middle of the message, if you remember some, I'll stop. I'm kidding. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's turn our Bibles to First Peter chapter First John, I'm sorry, chapter 4 and verse 8. We are continuing on our series, The Irresistible Love of God. Irresistible Love of God. The love of God that is irresistible. The love of God that you cannot resist it. No. God loves you. No. Uh, because of who he is. Now the Bible says here, anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God is love. Yeah. So, we see here that that is the nature of God. How God is, God is love. Amen. And verse 16. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. So here God is saying that uh, I am at, uh, you know, love and God it's like Similarities. It's like one and the same thing. So that is why whoever abides in love abides in God. When I abide in love, then I abide in God. And uh, why? Because God is love. And whoever abides in God abides in Him. In, abides in Christ. Abides in His love. So, 
God and love is the same thing. That's his nature. That is who he is. He is love. Hallelujah. Uh, that God is love. God is reaching out to us because he is love. That's his nature. That, that is who he is. And that's what he shows unto our lives. God is love. Now, when we look into the word of God, you know, and you look into uh, the love of God, uh, that the love of God is so supreme. You know, as people, we love, we love conditional. Many a times we love I love you because you have done this and that for me. You know, I love you because uh, the other day you helped me with this. It's a conditional love. I love you based on something that happened. Uh, but uh, the love of God is not conditional. Uh, it's not based on that you did this or you didn't do this. The love of God is unconditional. He loves us unconditional. Not based on the condition that, oh, okay, you have done this, then I will love you. He says, I love you. And I am committed to you. You know, I love you. I am committed to you. It's an unconditional love. And, you know, when we love, we love without uh, you know without this phone just while I'm preaching. Anyway So uh yeah I know we are listening can't you and now you are on <laughs> Okay, uh, what was I talking <laughs> The unconditional love of God. Yeah. That the love of God is unconditional. You know, it is a kind, you know, it's not based on the fact that uh, you love me this much, therefore I will love you back. We read last week that while we were yet sinners, God loved us. So, we should have this understanding that God loves us irrespective. You know, God loves us unconditional. Uh, that He loves us. He, you know, He's committed to us. I say to Pastor Luisa, I don't know how much you love me, but one thing that I can tell you, I love you more than you love me. I am not, I am not sure how much you love me, but, you know, you need to be assured that I love you more than you love me. I don't know if it makes sense, you know, but what I'm saying is that 
you know, I am sold out to you. I'm sold out to you. God forbid. But should it happen? What did I say? I said, God forbid. <laughs> but should it happen that Pastor Luisa says, is it a small, um, in that commitment, being that small, but just think about the commitment of God towards you and I. That even when we come to a point, you know, I've been saving God, but, you know, I don't see so much progress, you know, I, I, I think I'm taking a break. You know, from God. I think I will, I will, I will consider Him next year or something. You know, I'm tired. God will still say, that's my child. I love my child. So that's how much, com- how committed He is to you and I. When He says, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, that is the truth. That his love is, 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 is going out to you and I. Yeah, that, you know, I'm committed to this, my child. I'm committed to this, you know, my son, my daughter. And I will never give up on him. I'll never give up on him. You see, that is why, uh, even when a person backslides, yeah, that there is that thing in his heart that will still speak. The love of God is still reaching out. Yeah. God never says that, you know, you have gone so much uh, far out of the way that I can't, you know, uh, go to you, I can't reach out. His love will still go there and go up there. That's not So, that's how much God loves us. Now, why? Because God is love. Now, many people are uh, misappropriating the love of God, you know, and the grace of God, you know, and what we know them as uh, preaching hyper-grace. You know. So, meaning that God loves me. He can't send me to hell. It does not matter how I live, you know, God loves me. And it does not matter what I do, 
and they would live their lives in sin uh, and say, no, God, God loves me. Yes, God loves you. Yeah. And God who loves you is the God who will also, who is also uh, just. He says, no sin shall enter into heaven. He loves you. You know, but, uh, you know, it's not by simply saying, I love you, that then, you know, by virtue of God's love, we are all going to heaven. But it's our response to the love of God. So, what is sending people to hell is not God. That every person is sending himself to hell by rejecting the love of God. See, God will still work unto a person even right up to the end. He will still uh, work, you know, work and, and minister and, you know, work right until the end. Until a person you know, maybe that's it. He, he breathes his last and he has never turned back to God. God's love will still be there. Yeah. And, and, and when that person now reaches that, you know, there's nothing that God can do. Are you with me? Yeah. So, we need to understand that the God that we serve is not the God who is looking at every mistake and say, ah, yeah. You know, here, no, it's not that kind of God. You know, God's love is the one that will draw us to repentance. It is the love of God that draws us to repentance. Uh, that God will draw us, you know, he says, you have done wrong here. My child, I still love you. You can correct this. You know, you can do this, uh, uh, you know, we can start all over again. You know, we can work out this situation. You know, we can do this and so forth. And that is the love of God. That's how much God loves us. You see, the devil would want to drive you and I away from God. And that's where guilt comes in. You know, condemnation comes in. Uh, the Bible says in Romans, uh, Eight, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ. Yeah. There is no condemnation. When we, when we are in Christ, God no longer condemns us. That's how much His love, you know, that's how much He loves us. Yeah. There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Are people in the media listening to me? I thought that they would be the scripture. You know? So there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ. And, uh, there it is. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Can you say this with me? There is no condemnation 
because I am in Christ Jesus. And so, God's love is reaching out to you and I. It's irresistible. And you know what? It is the love of God that drove Judah into captivity. It is the love of God. Uh, it's because God loved them so much. Now, we have been reading, this king served the Lord. God blessed them. You know, that king came up and he did evil. You know, and, you know, he, they served Asherah's host. They served Baal. You know, they did this. And then every time, God would send his prophets, you know, speak to my children. You know, let them do right. You know, let them do, you know, uh, what is uh, correct, you know, do this and so forth. And so, God would always bring them by his servant, bring them. You see, the, the prophets were not like out there bringing condemnation on uh, both Israel and Judah. Yeah. But they were bringing correction that this is the love of God. Please come back to the Lord. How many kings have we read about uh, since we are doing our daily scriptures that where God would send a judgment upon them? He says that because you have done this, this and this has happened and the king would repent. And God would not carry out that. He says because of his love, you know, his love is saying that I am reaching out to you. You know, I don't want to condemn you. I don't want to throw you under the bus. You know, I want, I don't want to throw you to the dogs. I don't want to, but I am reaching out to you. You know, and then every time people respond to the love of God, they would see the grace of God, you know, coming upon their life. The grace of God being there upon their life. So it is the love of God. And, uh, but both Israel and Judah, see both of them, you know, starting with Israel, they were conquered. And what happened? They were taken into uh, the Syrian nations and the Syrian nations brought, you know, uh, people from foreign uh, lands into where the, the Israelites were and they became mixed, uh, mixed nation. You know, mixed race. And so, fine, God allowed that to happen. But when it came to Judah, it was a different story. You know, God never allowed uh, foreign people to come and occupy. Why? Because he was protecting the seed. Jesus was to come through that seed. So God was protecting the seed. And so God said that, you know, you have gone so well, so bad. I am sending you to the nation of Babylon for 70 years. But God's love is saying, you know, he was not, it was not because he said, I've given up on you. You know, let the Babylonians torment you and 
do all of, all sorts of things. God was not saying that. You know, God was saying that I'm 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 sending you for seventy years to Babylon as a correction. It is His love. You see, a, 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 you have heard this that a parent who does not correct his child does not love his child. You know, a parent who allows the child to do everything that he wants, to have a bad attitude, you know, to live anyhow, and the parent does not say anything. That parent does not love the child. Because what's happening, a bad attitude is going to make life difficult for the child, even when the parent is no longer there. And so, that is why we have people with bad attitude, people that are blaming everything on everybody. They never take responsibility. Why? From home, they've been shielded. Oh, now my child is not, it's not wrong. But you are not there. You were not there. You don't know what happened. But you are coming. Not my child. But you were not there. You don't love your child. And so, same thing with God. You know, that because God loved Judah, you know, he allowed them to be taken into captivity. It was his love. Otherwise, had he protected Judah, you know, what would have happened? They would have continued in saving Baal, in uh, saving idols. They would have continued along that route, and the seed would not have been protected. Yeah, it would have been contaminated. And so, God loved them and said, I'm sending you. You know, but even as he prophesied that I'm sending you to, uh, to, to Babylon, you're going to be there only for 70 years. And after that, you're coming back. You're coming back. And you're coming back to this land. It's because he loves them. You know, I am concerned I'm, I'm really concerned about the spiritual well-being of every person. Yeah. Uh, you know, every member of the church, I'm concerned about, you know, spiritual well-being. I was asking somebody today, did you go to church? You know, and, you know, uh, it's not right that you make it a habit that, you know, you're always at work, you're always, you don't go to church. It's not right. It's, it's because I love, I love, you know, our members. I love people you know, that they would, they would love God, they would serve God, they would be committed to God. And so, the love of God. You know, I, I look at uh, the staff, our staff. They are working in the church, and I'm concerned about their well-being. I'm not sure if they are aware. I know who has been to Bilabila during the celebration, who has not been there, who has been Koma Boy. I'm checking. You know, all our stuff, I'm checking. You know, who is attending cell group, 
you know, who is doing this? I'm checking. You can't work in the church and don't be part of what is said happening in the church. So I'm checking. Yeah. And then I, I'm blessed by people that are working. Because what happens is that, you see, people, you know, maybe they are breaking their feet when coming to church. They are not coming uh, to the services and they are not uh, doing this. Uh, but they're working at the church. What happens? You notice that, okay, those people are here for the money. They are not here because they love God. So, my attitude really towards them becomes somehow. Eh? Yeah. You know, I see, oh, okay, this person is here, not because he loves God, but he's here because and other people that are not working here, they are going all out. You know, you know, you know. They are not employed by the church, you know. They, they love God. They are committed to God. And then when uh, every month, you know, we're using our faith that you would get your payment, you know, you get your salary, you know, you are happy and you are well looked after by the church, but you never lift up your finger for the work of God, for the church. I'm watching. And so, how did that get in, in the message? He <laughs> asked them, did you listen to the podcast? They never listen to podcasts. They never watch, even, even, even right now as I'm online. When, the, when we say amen. We phone all, we phone all staff members, you know, of course, I know who is in church. You know, those that are not in church, we phone them. Hey, what was the pastor preaching about? You find them sleeping or watching move out or whatever. You know, I don't know. Eh? Big brother. Oh, they're watching big brother. Hey. Watching Big Brother. I don't know what's Big Brother. You know, but they're watching Big Brother. <laughs> eh? Leave it. Okay. I don't know what is it, and I don't want to know. Please, they say I should leave it. I don't want to know. <laughs> and so, you know, so, so you see that now, what I'm, what I'm saying is that, you see, God can't look at that and say, uh, you know, it's fine. It's not fine. It's not fine. It can never be fine. And so, 
God never looked at Judah and said, it's fine. It was never fine. It can never be fine. It will never be fine. So that's his love. That I love, I love my children. I love Israel. I love Judah. I love them. And I care for them. That I will send them to captivity. And you see, people suffered. Eh? You know, they were, it was not nice and, and so forth. But one, and, and there were innocent people who were taken to Babylon simply because the nation as a whole lived the way they were. So, but God says this, he, he now, you see there were prophets who were saying, ah, God is going to deliver us, God is going to set us free, you know, God is going to be there for us, God is going to help us, you know, and, uh, you know, God is going to break the neck of Nebuchadnezzar, you know, and then we are coming back, we are prophesying that. And Jeremiah stood up. I want us to go to Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah now writes a letter to the exile. The innocent people that were there, you know, that have gone there. And uh, that were in the land of captivity. And I want you to see the love of God that is reaching out to, uh, you know, to these people. You see, if God did not care, God would not have told Jeremiah to write a letter to those people. It says in verse 1, these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests and the prophets and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother, the eunuchs, the officials of Judah in Jerusalem, craftsmen, the metal workers had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elasa, the son of Shaphan, and uh, Jamaria, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. It said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. And this is the letter. He says to them, build houses, live in them, plant gardens, and eat their produce. Take wives, and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons, and give your daughters in marriage 
that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. He says, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let prophets and your div uh, diviners who are among you deceive you and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. You see the love of God out of this? Yeah. He's still reaching out to them and he's saying that don't, you know, he was saying this to them, don't be discouraged. You are in exile, you know, but not by your own doing. You know, you find yourself uh, in this situation. You went into ex exile. He says, don't be discouraged. You know, but he says, you know what? Build houses when you are there. You know, plant uh, 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 gardens. You know, let life continue. You know, never pull back, but, you know, uh, let continue to live. You know, continue to do well. You know, write in the land. And also, pray for the land. Pray for the city where you find yourself in. For in its welfare, I will, I will, you know, in its prosperity, in, in its welfare, you'll find your, uh, your, your welfare. You know, that when it prospers, you will prosper. So he's giving this that, you know, even when they are in the land that is not theirs, God is saying that I'm going to prosper you there. That is the love of God. So it does not matter where you find yourself. The love of God will still work in that situation. I will visit you. I will fulfill the promise. I will bring you back, he says. And in verse 11, for I know the plans that I have for you. When people were thinking that, oh, we have been judged, we have been taken into captivity, we are in the foreign land, God has forgotten about us, God says that I have not forgotten about you. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare. You know, not for evil. To give you a future and hope. You see here that God is concerned about our future and, uh, and He's giving us hope. He says, you know, my plans for you is to give you hope, is to give you a future. And so, can you think about this that people in captivity, God is saying that it is going to go well with you. That is the irresistible love of God. Yeah. That I'm going to take care of you. Yeah. He says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. 
You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. Says I have driven you to those places, you know, uh, for correction. Yeah. But even when you are there, don't diminish. You know, do well, prosper, succeed in those areas. And it says that after seven years, I will bring you back to the land uh, uh, that, that, uh, that I've sent you. Yeah. I is the Lord who sent them and says that I will bring you back. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Because you have said, the Lord has raised up a prophet for us in Babylon. That says the Lord concerning the king who sits on the throne of David. And concerning all the people who dwell in this city. Your kinsmen who did not go out with you into exile. That says the Lord of hosts. Behold, I'm sending on them sword, famine, pestilence. And I will make them like vile figs. That are so rotten that they cannot be eaten. I'll pursue them with swords, famine, pestilence, and I will make them a horror to all the kingdoms of the earth, to be a curse, a terror, a hissing, and a reproach among all the nations where I've driven them. Because they did not pay attention to my way, declares the Lord, that I persistently sent to you by my servants the prophet, but you would not listen, declares the Lord. So hear the word of the Lord, all you exiles whom I sent away from Jerusalem to Babylon. That says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, concerning Ahab, the son. So now he begins to talk about the individual uh, people there. But I, what I want you to see is that even when they were in exile, God says that I will take care of you. Those who have gone there, I mean, you think of people like Daniel. Was God with him? How many kings did he serve? About four kings. He served them. He was, and he was favored. You know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God came through for them uh, that the fire could not consume them. And so they did not suffer because of the love of God. And so that is, that is how God is to us. He's reaching us, you know, out to us. And His love is irresistible. He says, I love you. I love you. So even if we can say, you know, I love God. I cannot love him more than he loves me. He loves me more. He loves you more. There is no love that you can express to God that will be greater than the love that God has for you. And so, he's a loving God. He cares for you. You know, your future will be bright. And so, don't, don't look at the potholes along the way, the harms, you know, that would uh, delay you and say, oh, God does not love you. You know, God loves you. God has the master plan. 
You see, when people build a house, they, uh, there is a master plan. A plan that includes everything. The electrical work, the walls where they're supposed to be, the lights and the foundation where there's, you know, there is that plan. Uh, so, when uh, they, you start to build, they go there, and then they demolish, they remove the trees, they level the ground. Uh, now, if the ground, it's, it's a slope there, a deep slope, they will come and start and, you know, dig, dig, and to level it, to make it level. Now, when they do that, it's not because they hate the ground. They have a master plan. There is a master plan. And so, when things happen in your life, the way maybe you're not expecting them to happen, never be discouraged. Just know this, that God has a master plan. And His master plan about my life is greater. I know that I'm going to end up good. I know that I'm going to end up on top. I'm going, it's going to be well with me because according to His master plan, all will come out okay. That's how we need to trust God. Uh, that it does not matter the challenge. You know, all will come out okay. Now, uh, my mind just flashed back to the time uh, that we started the church here, you know, 1994. Uh, we came here to Poloko and we had two cars. Uh, we had a bike. Yeah, and then we had also a sedan. A bike we didn't own. It was a code 3. You know what's a code 3 car? Code 3 car is a rebuild. It means it was written off. So they built it. So that's, that's about it. You know? So it was a code 3, uh, uh, car. And, hey, and it saved, it saved us, I'm telling you. It saved us. Anyway. And, and the sedan was, uh, you know, we owed money on the, on it, you know. And so, the first year, you know, we came here, we worked, and then we realized that, you know, one day I said to Pastor Lisa, I said that, you know, uh, it's good to have good cars, but can we sacrifice one? You know, and, uh, do we have to have both cars. Why don't we sell this one? At least we are out of that debt. And so that we should not put the ministry under pressure. You know, you see, when I come up here under stress, my preaching is going to be stressful. You know, you will, I mean, it won't be, it won't be nice. Eh? And so it's better not to have stress. You know, like somebody said that a hungry pastor is an angry pastor, you know. So, <laughs> so uh, we did that, you know, we sold a car. So, uh, we then had only the bikey that we were not owing anything on for some time. Now, uh, at that time, you know, there are Christians who say, ah, look at them. Uh, preaching prosperity and that God will prosper you. Ah, things are tough. They have just sold a car. It's not unbelievers who said, it is Christians. Mm-hmm. 
friendly Christian. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, that could have had, uh, but we knew the master plan. We knew it's just a season. We have to manage the season. And then we're going through the season. We never stop there and say, oh, God, what are you doing this and so forth? You know, uh, we knew that, you know, we will pass this season. And we passed the season. I remember, you know, uh, came a time whereby now we, we managed to buy a car, right? You know, and, uh, so we, we, we got this car and, you know, and so, Professor Lewis, because now I'm still, I mean, Kehwala Medzi, we were building here, Kehwala, the Tramstam Medzi coming here to build because there was no water here. And so the bike is served as well. I remember, uh, we were going to a conference in Johannesburg, you know, we started, <laughs> I am from there. Eh? Yeah. I am from there. And, uh, you know, but it's a season. It's a season. And you go through a season. This car, you know, when you pull up here, because it's backfire, you know, the ashes are dunking under the seat. They think that there is an armed robbery. <laughs> hey, yeah. And uh, you leave it outside, hoping that somebody shall, shall steal it at least. In, you know, good, uh, good readings. In the morning, oh, it's not there. You celebrate, you stole it. You go outside, you find it down the road. They try to steal it, you know, and then as they drove it, they realize it's not worth stealing this one. <laughs> I'm kidding. All that never happened. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it was a season. Yeah. And, we, we were, we were fine. You know, with that, we served God. We became faithful to God. We served the Lord. And today we look back and say, look at what the Lord has done. See, that's the master plan. We never stayed on that situation and say, oh, uh, look at what is happening. You know, God does not love us. You know, why did God take us from uh, Houghton to bring us here? Look at, no, we never, we knew that it's just a season. You know, the love of God is supreme. God, his love is irresistible. And so, the grace of God came. Uh, and we saw the grace of God and, and it helped us. And so, that is the irresistible love of God. Even when you go through the veil, you will never be drowned. God will be there with you and take you out. When you are up there on the mountain and 
you know, and uh, it's 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 uh, windy and so forth. God will still keep you when you go through, uh, you know, the fire. You will never be burned because of the irresistible love of God. So I want us tonight uh, to appreciate the love that God has for us. Never write yourself off. Never write yourself off. And you know, uh, when you have gone through some season, you 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 become understanding when people go through some season. You understand. You never look down at them. You never, uh, you know, criticize them. You never say anything bad. You you just know that you know it's just a season. It will pass. The love of God for them will take them through this season. Are you with me? And so that is the love that God that irresistible love of God that we need to embrace and we need to have it in our lives that God you love me so much. I know that because of your love it will always be fine with me. Hallelujah. So God says through Jeremiah to the people he says I will take care of you. And I shall say, I will take care of you also in the forest. I will take care of you. I will be there for you. I will help you. My love will take care of you. Because he's a faithful God. And we came here to Polokwane. We didn't, we didn't, uh, have family or have anybody here, you know, we came here and we were like, uh, what, I mean, you go and start a church. When we told some of our family members, no, we're going to Polokwan. Eh? Polokwan? Let's have a mongo. Eh? Polokwan. Okay, not Polokwane. I was trying to be English. Polokwane. <laughs> so you're going to Polokwane. And uh, who do you know there? You know, nobody. And, uh, you know, and, and we felt, God, they, they felt, they felt so, so bad for us. It's like, go past Luisa, it's like, Tengang wana wana waititini. Kumula tela somewhere. You know? <laughs> yeah. At that time, it was Peter's back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, we we came here, you know, and because we, we, we were following the call of God, but look at today, great family that we have here. You know, great family. I'm telling you, it's a blessing. We are not alone, you know, but we have brothers and sisters around here, great family. And so, you see, 
God will always take care of you. It does not matter where you are. Because of his irresistible love that he has for you. Amen. Did you gain something from the Lord today? Amen. Praise God. Can we say this together? Father God, I thank you for your love, for your grace upon my life. I thank you, God, that you are taking care of me all the time because of your irresistible love. I am loved by you. Thank you, God. I embrace love in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us during this episode. Join us next time, even as we continue to learn and grow with Apostle David Muluzi. Also, visit our website for more at cfcpolokwane.com. God richly bless you.